Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things? You know, inquiries, contracts, payments. It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade. Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. I am so excited because today we have a extra special guest who also happens to be a friend of mine, and her name is Caitlin Wells. Caitlin is the CEO and founder of Upwell Strategies, an agency designed to help you build an impactful and profitable business that aligns with your vision for not only your business, but your life. At Upwell Strategies, they help their clients gain immense clarity and scale sustainably through innovative and effective operations and business development strategies. Building a sustainable business for both her clients and herself is deeply important to Caitlin, which is why we have so much in common. As a mom, creating systems, processes, and operational strategies within your business is valuable in order to be able to get your time back so that you can spend time with your family. At Upwell, they work to provide the same exact results to their clients with excellence. So without further ado, welcome Caitlin to the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Mom Movement, a podcast that's all about redefining what it means to be a working mom. I'm your host and business BFF, Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, we dig deep and reverse engineer how to make money on your own terms. Get ready for inspiring insights, fun chats, and tangible tips to rewrite your success story. Let's dive on in. Welcome to the Millennium Mom Movement Podcast. I'm so excited to have you today and to dive on in. Tell us about you and how you got started and basically how you got to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. I am a mom to one cute little two-year-old toddler who is very active and a little hectic at times and married to a former engineer, currently grad student to pursue a a career change. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's been an experience too, going back to school when you're multi-years removed from college. But I decided to start my own business in 2020. 
My background prior to that was working in a marketing agency and not only serving as like a marketing account manager, but also serving as a project manager within that agency, just due to my kind of natural tendency to be fairly organized. And then when I shifted out of that and started my own business, I stuck with that, oh, okay, I'm a marketing person and started with that, but found that I was also helping all of my clients with their marketing automations. And then that turn into more and more around the tech and systems and really finding ways to help a lot of these service-based and EDU types of businesses operate more efficiently. And then when I shifted into being a mom, I also then had to learn like a whole new level of efficiency and organization because I'm balancing a business with being a very present mom. My child's only in daycare part-time. And so I have to be very intentional with my time and and with what I do versus a team member versus what I let technology do for me. That's amazing. And I don't think I realized that you basically are a full-time stay-at-home mom while running your business because with you only having childcare two days a week, that's a short time frame that you're working within, which is amazing. So, okay, I want to dive into that a little bit because one thing you mentioned is being able to figure out From a a leadership perspective, how do you know what you do versus what a team member does versus what you let technology do? So can you give me like an example of what that looks like for you? Yeah, definitely. So anything that's a more tedious, very repetitive task, uh, we do it via technology, whether it's as simple as a call reminder being sent out, like you shouldn't type that and manually send it, or even creating rules within um your CRM to properly categorize certain client projects or or within your bookkeeping, that kind of thing. Very repetitive things that don't necessarily take that human brain touch. You know how they talk about with AI, will it ever become, what's the word for it when it, it's like like, self-working? Yeah, like almost like humanistic in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And the argument is that happen, can that happen? So technology is not there yet. And I say yet because I think it will, while I, even though I hope it doesn't, but the, the things that require that human touch and, and that strategic thinking need to go to either me or a team member. And then to answer your question on how do I decide if it's a task for me or for a team member, there's nothing I do that no one else can do. So it's a matter of training people and being intentional about what things you hand off first. So my first team member, I essentially handed off the things I didn't enjoy doing or wasn't very good at like graphic design (laughs) and things like that for content creation. And then the next shift is, okay, now I need a more client facing person so that I'm not the only one clients are referring to and reaching out to for things. And I chose to start by building out a team to help with a lot of that internal stuff for marketing and content, because that's just what I didn't enjoy doing. I really enjoy the client deliverables and the, the techie part of it and the strategy, but eventually to continue growing that you also will then need someone to do that. Other people do it the other way. They would rather be the ones writing their content and doing more of the internal stuff. And so they might start to outsource some more of the client delivery stuff first. And there's no wrong way to do it. I love that breakdown. And I feel like that's typically what people are hesitant to do is they're like, okay, they think I need to offload these specific tasks because this is what so-and-so is doing. But I love the example of it could be either way. It could be client-facing or it could be like internal and content creation. It's just going to depend on knowing you and your strengths and what brings you joy. I'm the same way. When I first outsourced, I outsourced a lot of the stuff that I was like, I don't enjoy doing this and I know I'm not good at it. Or I felt like there was a bit of a learning curve there. I could probably learn how to be a really great bookkeeper 
but I didn't have a desire to do that. So I was like, this is what going to be what I outsource first is let's get this in order. And it gave me like peace of mind knowing that, okay, somebody else who actually enjoys doing this and is much better at it than me. I also love what you said that basically there's nothing that you do that somebody else can't do. And I feel like I'm sure you've probably come across this in your journey with so many entrepreneurs, but I find sometimes even myself being like, oh, that's something I can't delegate because only I know how to do that. Or only I can put my special stamp of approval on it. When in reality, I don't think that's true. I think it's just a matter of figuring out how do you teach this? Do you have any tips on that? Maybe there was something you were like, this feels difficult to pass off and you figured out a way to do it anyways. Yeah. Um, I would say in my line of work, the hardest thing to pass off is the strategic thinking around how to structure a certain process or system. But the reality is there's a dozen other people out there who offer the same services I do. So there's no reason why there also can't be a team member I train to do what I do. But I would say along the lines of how can you be successful with handing off and training someone on something like that? Because it's really easy to say, to someone, here's some design templates. Can you create Instagram posts for me? And they learn over time your visual brand. Or a little bit harder, sharing your brand voice. Someone then learns how to write like you because you're giving them that templated structure. But teaching someone how to think strategically in a certain way to produce a certain result, that has proven to be really challenging. And I think a lot of that just comes down to mentorship. When you start to step into a leadership role, you're now a mentor to whoever's a direct report under you. And it you have to map out ways to teach them how to do that without handholding. If I just type up the whole strategy and say, see how I did it, they're not gonna understand it. It's kind of like if I had you sit down in my kitchen and you watched me bake a cake and then I pull it out of the oven and say, look, isn't this a great cake? Now you make one, you're gonna be like, wait, what? But how? Like, this looks great, but what? <laughs> and it's a matter of taking them through the process and explaining, did you see what I did in this step? This is why. And not just assuming anything. Because when you assume things, that's when things get skipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is such a good analogy with the cake because I feel like our tendency a lot is to do it and be like, just watch me. And then all of a sudden you'll know. But yeah. I think about it too, like even with my own kids, like sometimes I have to let them struggle a little bit and let them stumble. Like even when they're learning how to walk, like mm-hmm. they have to crawl first and then they like start to stand up and they might fall down and you have to let them go through that struggle to then be able to walk and then eventually run. Yeah. But if we basically held their hand the entire time, they would never be able to do it independently. So I think that's, that's a really good tip. And I like that you broke down, like explaining the individual processes too, because I feel like that ties into a lot of what you do, which is systems and figuring out, okay, how do we make really great strategic systems that work for people and their individual businesses? So let's talk about that a little bit, because I feel like that's like your secret sauce. Walk me through like, what even are systems and automations, tools that people should use and like, Why is that important in a business and to what extent can it be utilized? So a big part of your like operational health within a business is your team culture and then your systems and processes. And so what does that mean? We hear systems thrown around a lot, but a system is essentially just a workflow of processes that work together via technology But it doesn't even really, I mean, in the online business world, it's always pretty much technology, but like systems were in place for 
construction sites. You knew this person did this and then this person did this. And so it's really just a accumulation of processes that work together to create a desired result. And so what I do is I help set up systems that tend to be the core systems you need in place to have your business run more efficiently. And so one of those is a project management system. You want to make sure things aren't falling through the cracks, especially as you begin to hire more people. When you're working solo, it's easy to do the the notebook checklist every day. But as soon as you're delegating things, you need to be able to track like, where is this team member at and their different things? Where are they stuck? That kind of thing. Or as you start to have more and more client projects coming onto your plate, you don't want to miss deadlines for different projects for clients because then that's not creating a very good experience. Another key one is file management systems. A lot of people overlook this one. They think, oh, I have a Google Drive. I'm good. Yeah, but could you find XYZ right now if you needed to? And there's a stat. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but people on average waste, it was like 600 something hours a year just looking for files because it's not organized. And so creating a, a folder system or a naming system just so that it's very easy and intuitive for someone to find a file on your team, whether it's a report or a template or, or whatever resource it is that they need, or even the use of the naming system helps with searching for the file in Google Drive. Mm-hmm. So there's the project management system, the file management, and then we have the CRM. So tracking leads and sales through your people through your lead and sale process. Those are the three key ones. There are others that I help out with talking about like team communication, where are people chatting? You shouldn't be like texting all of your team members and trying to keep up with things that way. A big one that we recommend is Slack. There isn't really like a solid alternative to that. We are big fans of Slack. I literally <laughs> don't know what I would do without that platform. <laughs> and then you can jump into all of your marketing automation systems. So email marketing, quiz builders, you can add in all these other things where you integrate them all to work together, but essentially just the process of being in front of and nurturing your audience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You touched on so many good things. I want to talk about the file naming because that stat is so (laughs) atrocious to me, but I feel like I might be one of those people. I don't know if I'm up to 600 hours, but I will say the search function on Google drive is not my favorite. And there have been times where I'm like, I know I created this document. Mm -hmm. Where is it? I don't know where it went. It's lost in the Google Drive. And so I think that's accurate. And even like, you know, we have a project management tool. We use ClickUp for our internal Mm -hmm. business. And even in there, sometimes there's a, I feel like their search function is better than Google Drive. But even sometimes I'm like, where's this form that this person filled out and so forth. And so I love the idea of having a strategic naming system. And also I feel like it just, it easier, it as you onboard new hires, or if you take on a new client or, or something along those lines, because then you just follow the system that you've laid out and it's not, okay, what are we going to call this? But it's, it takes some of the guesswork out of it, which is nice too. Okay. You touched on a few different things out of those. If somebody's, wait a second, I'm not doing any of those. Where (laughs) would you recommend them starting? If you could pick one. The file management. Yeah, I think so too. Especially because I feel like if people are delivering services, typically I feel like a lot of people are working in either Dropbox or Google Drive and they're sharing a lot of things back and forth with clients. And I can imagine that would get messy over time if they don't have a specific naming system. I've also noticed too, as a service-based business provider, 
having those systems and communicating that to the client, they really appreciate that because a lot of times they're looking to us as the expert to be able to tell them like, this is how we do things. And when we have those in place, a lot of times they're super excited and they're like respectful of those boundaries to be able to say like, great, happy to name the file, this, whatever you say mentality, which is nice too. Yeah, definitely. And being really clear on those expectations, both with clients and team members makes it where everyone gets on board quickly. And that kind of falls into the processes part of systems and processes where when you outline a standard, okay, a new client just signed, this is the process. And part of that process is duplicating this template folder of resources we know we need to give them or documents we need them to fill out, that kind of thing. It makes it where it's very quick. And when you get it organized, I don't want to like move too far advanced, but once you get it organized, you can utilize things like Zapier where let's say you used Dubsado and a client signs their contract. It then triggers for Zapier to duplicate those files for you. And, and then the client folder is already created and no one on your team has to do anything. Yes, that those are my favorite types of things that happen with automations where I'm like, oh, this magical little robot just created this system mm-hmm. or this notification or whatever it is, which is nice. And I feel like one thing that's nice about that is it's like you set it up and then you're not really having to redo it very often, which is you can tweak it, obviously, and you want to refine it and go back and make sure like everything's accurate and still working. But I feel like it's one of those things that like once you get it set up, it really works for you. And then you realize how much time you save because I've been guilty of this where I'm that person that's manually sending something that I know I shouldn't be, but I'm like, oh, I'll get around to setting up X, Y, and Z eventually. And then I never do. And then I've done that thing like a hundred times and I'm like, oh, I probably could have saved hours because if I just took the time to set up X, Y, and Z, then I wouldn't have to do this every single time too. And I feel like it improves the client experience because then like they're getting things automatically and they're like, in this example, that might be like an onboarding scenario. And then their onboarding process is streamlined and they're not like waiting for me to come to my computer to send whatever it is that needs to be sent to. Yeah, and it lets you move your timeline along a little smoother because now it's if they sign, but they have to wait two days for you to send them that Google Doc for them to drop files into for you. Let's say you're doing branding or something and you need something from them. Now the start of the project's been delayed even more for you to start your part of it. So when you can automate more of those tedious, repetitive things, going back to what we were talking about earlier with how do you decide if you use tech or people, being able to automate those really tedious, repetitive things just saves you time and It allows you to hire team members and give them responsibilities that are more challenging or that maybe brighten their day a little bit more because no one really enjoys going into Google Drive and clicking to make a copy of a document over and over again. Yeah. And it's interesting because we obviously started out as like a virtual assistant agency, but I feel like over the years we've morphed into more of a marketing agency Mm -hmm. and we still get a good bit of inquiries that are very like VA focused. And typically the things on people's list of what it is they feel like their needs are, are a lot of times things I feel like could be automated where instead of hiring somebody for like X amount of dollars per hour and then trying to figure out, okay, how many hours is this going to take them per week? They could probably invest in somebody like yourself, have them automate all of those tasks using AI technology. And then whatever is left over, they delegate to an existing team member or something like that. And so I feel like that's such a 
a miss for a lot of people. And I think a lot of times it's because they're in the beginning stages of their entrepreneurial journey where they feel like this has to be done manually because systems are for people with ginormous companies. And that's not always the case. Yeah, definitely. And, And I think a lot of times when people are in the earlier phases of growing their business, they feel like, oh, I don't need systems yet. Mm-hmm. But but you don't have to. You can keep some. You can keep systems simple. You don't have to build this super elaborate, complex thing that a massive corporation would have. And and there are very simple, basic automations they could do that would make it where instead of needing to pay for a twenty-hour month VA package, they only now need a ten-hour month VA package. And and yeah. that adds up a lot over time. Yeah, and I feel like. We're probably a great example of this. We did a ClickUp build out earlier this year, and it was honestly overly complicated to where we ended up simplifying a lot of the systems that they created because it was like too over our head. Mm-hmm. For our, myself and the team members, this is too complicated. It doesn't need to be this complicated. We can have a great system that works that is less complicated. And that actually ended up making our lives easier because now everybody felt confident using it and they actually used it, which I think is like a big piece of the puzzle too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the system can be as beautiful and complex as you can make it, but if people don't use it, then it's not serving its purpose. And I think sometimes us techie people who set them up, we get so in the zone of what is our normal that then when we go to build things, maybe we don't step back and think about okay, but this is for this level of need and tech literacy. So they don't necessarily need this over-the-top complex thing. The simplification of it um, meets their needs and can scale with them. And so that's something that we do at Upwell a lot is we have the little saying of keep the system simple. You know, just do what's necessary for it to work and operate without overcomplicating it. Because the more complex it gets, the more spots there are for potential errors or things that that could get broken just with one tiny little like change within the whole system. Yeah. And also just like the overall maintenance, because then once it's set up, let's say you have to like add a new person into the system and somebody doesn't feel confident doing that, then that might be a hesitation to use it all together. And I think that's what I love about you and Upwell is because you understand that and you really think about the client that you're serving and where they're at in their journey. You're building a system for where they are today, but then also where their business is heading, which I think is super important too, to make sure that the system works for the now, but then it can also grow. Okay, I know you're in a lot of people's like back end of the business. Are there any common trends that you see that you're like, I feel like I've seen this 10 times. And if I could just let some business owners know, this would make their life so much easier. I would say two things we see that are a common issue are just general disorganization around where they're spending their time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things we do with the majority of clients is make them do a time audit. And we make them track like, essentially in 20-minute increments during their workday for two weeks straight. And then we categorize what their time entries were. Like, was this admin? Was this marketing? Was this just task switching? And you see how sporadic we can be as business owners sometimes because we can sometimes get stuck in the like mindset that everything's urgent. And so you might need two hours of focused work to do, say, your content creation, but you're letting Slack bubbles pop up. And so then you jump in, you answer questions. Now you're jumping into this other platform to pull information to answer that question. And and so then your day becomes very segmented and disjointed. And you've spent so much time just task switching Mm -hmm. that you got maybe eight hours of work done across the whole week when really you could have gotten 20. 
in the time you're working or like productive work. Um, and so that's always very eye-opening for our clients is when they do the time audit. Oh, 100%. I feel like that's probably me. I think we get into a reactive state where like mm-hmm. we sit down and we have a plan for our day, but then the business is pulling you in. So you're like, oh, I need to answer this message or this email or whatever. And yeah. the next thing you know, like your allotted work day is gone and you're like, wait a second, what did I do today? What was I supposed to do today? And like your to-do list is still hanging out yeah. on the docket and you're like, dang it. <laughs> what? I would say the second most common thing we see is a lack of process documentation. Um, no one likes writing SOPs. It's not fun, but it's necessary, especially as you begin to delegate and you want your team to have those resources. Because if you don't, then you're having to do very hands-on training or you're that person in the reactive state answering questions all the time or having to correct something that was done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And so one of that would be the second biggest thing we see is the need for the way that you do what you do in your business to be written down. Yeah, I think that's a big one. And I feel like the earlier you can start, the better, because the more you grow, the more challenging it's going to be to find the time to do that. And then also you're having to backtrack so much. We have been in this boat, I feel like this year of trying to streamline things internally. And that was a big thing that we found is we're like, oh goodness, now we're streamlining for this entire slew of clients. And this is a lot more work than had we have just started with a few clients and done it each time. So- Mm -hmm. Yes. Do as I say, not as I do in this case. (laughs) Okay. One thing you touched on at the beginning of our conversation was the rise of AI technology. How do you see this fitting into systems as we are today? But then also if you could look into a crystal ball, do you have any predictions as to where you feel like you see this going in the future? I feel like AI is just going to become another one of those tools that we utilize. If you think about it, I don't know how long ago, but a long time ago at some point, you didn't have a link that you would just email to someone and they could see your availability on a calendar compared to their availability and they pick a time and now you, you can meet. And and so it's it's just another development of technology where it can be a tool. I think it maybe unsettled some people when it was first released because of the humanness that comes with the chat part of it or just how easy it seems to be able to use it. But ChatGPT got a lot of focus, but there's a lot of other AI tools out there that are not just like the chat feature kind. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people utilize ChatGPT for ease of research. And I know Google is starting to build out, it has its own chat AI called Bard, I believe. But they're also starting to create updates to the way that your search results show up just from the normal Google page to be a little bit more of that AI chat kind of being embedded into it in a way. But then you have AI tools for image generation designs, which those are still a little bit clunky. I think they'll get, <laughs> yeah, you get some funny ones. <laughs> yeah. But even things like Zapier, you go in there and you click to create a new Zap and now it has a big box at the top that says, type in what you're trying to do. And if you do, you can say, oh, I'm trying to automate and it'll create the steps for you. It's not like syncing it all up and doing all of that, but it's giving you the recommended steps to be able to achieve the automation you want. And so I think it's just going, all of these platforms that have those are going to improve and get better. And it's just going to make it where maybe some of these things that feel out of reach to some utilizing Zapier will become less out of reach or less scary because now instead of, oh no, what do I put for the trigger? What do I put for the next step? 
they just type in, oh, I want to automate da 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 da. And then it gives them the steps and they just need to sync their accounts to it kind of thing. That's a very specific example. But like, I feel like that's where it's going to lead is just things that were once intimidating to people will now become easier because they have that as a resource. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it's forcing companies to evolve and think differently about their existing Mm -hmm. tools and how they can integrate it. I feel like over probably the past six months, every subscription platform that I log into is now, hey, you can upgrade with AI and now you've got this additional feature. And some of them I'm like, heck yeah, sign me up. I want that. And other ones I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this is a little clunky still, like it needs to be refined. But I think it's cool regardless because it's forcing them to think outside the box where I don't think that they would have launched an additional feature like that. They probably would have just kept going on their linear path. So I think it's forcing some creativity and even for us as an agency to figure out, okay, what are some cool ways that we can utilize this internally to serve our clients? And I feel like a lot when a lot of people, they think about the chat GPT because it got so much buzz. But I think what people don't realize is AI has existed for a long time. Like we've been using it in the background It's just nobody was telling you, oh, you're using AI to do X, Y, and Z. So that's why I always ask it, especially for systems, because I feel like so much of it is like a a little bit more tech focused that I feel like it's going to play a big role into that in the the long run, which is going to be cool. But I I love the example of it being a little more user-friendly for people and less intimidating. Mm -hmm. Because even myself as like a baby business owner, I probably would be too intimidated to set up some of those things because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing and I feel like I don't have time or I don't want to do it wrong. And so this brings a little bit more accessibility to people that are like still in that DIY phase too. Yeah, definitely. And I know some people, when there was all the buzz about it, when I believe in March 2023, it was like over 10,000 new AI apps were released. ChatGPT got the bulk of the PR from that, but... Like you said, any and every company felt the need to release their own. And people were worried like, oh, this will eliminate jobs and things like that. But like I said at the beginning of our chat about AI, I still view it more as a tool. Like Mm -hmm. it can't fully replace a job yet, but it can help you be a little more efficient in the job you do. And like to the point that we talked about earlier, I love that it makes our team members more efficient because then they can focus on those strategic things that only... Mm -hmm brain can work on and it gives more space for that too and then on the flip side like we think we're all busy so it gives us a little bit of our time back which I think is a huge win if my team can do their job 10% faster than what they are now with the tool and they that means they get to go hang out with their kids for the rest of the day then amazing that makes me happy as a business owner because the work's getting done either way so what does it matter Mm -hmm. yeah I think my fear there is you and I are both aligned on the value of This used to be eight hours of work with AI. Now you can do it in seven. So you have an hour back in your day to go work out or go play with your kids or whatever. But I can also see some companies seeing it as, oh, now you can just achieve more. And then like that workload being increased on people with different expectations. And so I would, I ideally would love to see it grow in a way where it allows us to have a better work life balance. I don't like to use the word balance, being you know, like interwoven of work and life and everything else. But I could also just see it leading to higher output expectations because that to date is how most technology, technological 
developments have resulted in. I think so too. It's almost like that argument with the four-day work week and corporate businesses thinking, well, mm-hmm. if you're only working four days a week, I'm only going to pay you for four days a week instead yeah. of valuing that additional day. There's just such yeah. a, a mindset shift there. And it is challenging because genuinely I see both sides of it. Like when I'm looking at the numbers of my business, I am in that corporate mindset of mm-hmm. if they're only working seven hours and they need to only get paid for seven hours. They don't need to get paid for the eight hours because they figured out a way to do their job faster. When in reality, like there, you have to outweigh like the cost versus the benefit of the investment of that person as a human. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over time for sure. Yeah. Especially on like a large scale. Okay. Let's dive into some fun rapid fire questions to round out our conversation. What are you currently loving right now? This could be like a book, a TV show, a podcast, something that excites you. Well, it's December. So right now it's all the cheesy Christmas movies. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I have been watching one of those like every night <laughs> before I go to bed. They're like, they're, you know, it's going to happen, but you have to watch it anyways. Yep. <laughs> I know. Although lately it's been a blend of getting to see some cheesy Christmas films and also having to show my daughter like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on repeat. <laughs> Same. I think we've watched the animated version of The Grinch like a record-breaking number of times because he just loves it and thinks it's like really cute and funny. And it is like a good, wholesome movie. So as a parent, I'm like, okay, it's fine. But um, yeah, I may or may not know every word at this point. It's like holding a lot of brain space. (laughs) Yeah, it's just part of parenthood. (laughs) Okay, what is the best advice you've ever been given as a business owner? Nothing we have to do is truly urgent. We're not brain surgeons. That is a good one. That's a really good one. It helps me reset sometimes when I'm in a panic mode. I'm like, this is okay. It's not the end of the world if this has to be done tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too, especially when we're client-facing. I think a lot of times when we offer one-to-one services, I think we're natural, like almost people pleasers in a sense. And so we want to do an amazing job for our team members and our clients. And sometimes it's hard to be like, actually, like this email doesn't need to be crafted right this second. Mm -hmm. Could be an hour. It could be tomorrow. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What are you most excited for in the new year for 2024? I'm excited because we are going to be launching some templates and products. <gasps> that is very exciting. Right, we've been working on behind the scenes for quite a while, but just because I want to make it more accessible for people who are in that state of overwhelm to have some sort of calm brought to their life. And I think some templates and like standard processes being outlined for someone can be extremely helpful without them having to invest in like a done for you one-on-one engagement with us. Yeah, that is super exciting. Okay. Can't wait to see those. (laughs) Selfishly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time. This was such a treat. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast again. We can dive into like systems 2.0 thank you thank you and we'll make sure to put a link to the templates once those are launched and then also where can everybody find you social website all the things yeah on instagram or linkedin that's the two platforms we're the most active on and then if you go to our website there's a contact form perfect awesome thank you thank you You just finished another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. 
And because I know you're a mover and shaker, here's your action item. Snap a screenshot of this episode, share it over on Instagram, and tag me at Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.